What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody on this team that was a contributor, minus Bob Stevenson, came with Mike Anderson because he was joining Tulsa staff, which is which, which is, is just awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was like Ocean's Eleven JUCO college basketball player edition. Like he just went <laughs> yeah. in and just collected the best talents that existed yeah. at that level. Yeah, for sure. These are the tales of college basketball past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off court moments, memories of personal fandom, catastrophe, and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the college basketball stories. I'm Ryan Token. And I'm Matt Rectine from the Golden Hurricast. And we're going to tell you the story of the 1980 to 1981 Tulsa Golden Hurricane. So what are you guys drinking tonight? So that's what I'm drinking. I'm drinking that whiskey right there. It's a Japanese nice. whiskey. Matt actually brought it over from his house, gave it to me for free. So that's what I'm having. All right. So we had some, uh, some Smirnoff. All right. Spicy tamarind. Spicy tamarind from, uh, from Mexico. It's good stuff. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I haven't had that before, but I am going to have, have some. some. It's super tasty. I also, I like my first drink that I had, and I've already finished it. I like infused my own uh, tequila and stuff, so I had like a chili cinnamon margarita. It was very tasty. All right. That sounds so, awesome. What about you guys? you guys? I just got a plain old white claw. At a, uh, at a work happy hour that ended up just getting way more out of hand, and I'm still just kind of struggling and recovering from that. So I'm, keep, I'm keeping it light on the uh, the stomach tonight. I, I, mean, I get, I get it. it. It makes, it makes sense. sense. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a brewer, so I just pulled some beer off the bright tank that's not quite bright yet. So uh, it's just cloudy, not quite carbonated. You know, it's just straight off the tank. So. So to get off the ground, I think we got to set some set set the table a little bit here. There's a lot. This season was awesome. Let me start with that. Lots to say about it. I'm sure we'll get to all of it. I'm sure we'll miss some stuff. So maybe not all of it. Um, but I think the first thing to get to is the 80 81 year is really like the sea change year for Tulsa basketball. Right? There was so much like just mediocrity leading up to this season. Um, I was telling the guys earlier. It was like. 35 winning years, yeah, over the last 67 before this. 35 winning seasons, which sounds fine, but also 32 losing seasons, right? So kind of very middle of the road, very non-tradition of success, you know, just kind of a, a, an okay basketball team. You know, you're, you're just like, you're not great. You're not awful. You're just right, like right there. Um, overall, losing record over time. I think it was a 48, like 0.48 uh, winning percentage. And one NCAA tournament appearance in that whole 67-year span horrible right not good and on top of that like the immediate yeah. five years were five straight losing seasons coming into this year five straight losing seasons before nolan richardson comes in so nolan richardson about, about time for a coaching change 
Yes, about time. And who do we go and get but Nolan Richardson, his first big-time job, right? He's coming in. He's from a, a junior college. I think it's Western Texas Community College, if that's right. Um, mostly an unknown, right? And we actually didn't offer him the job first. We offered the job to this guy, Billy Tubbs, who, Kyle, you might know, uh, because he coached at OU for several years. But we offered him the job. The AD at the time was this dude, Emery Turner, uh, you know, 1980 time president was uh, Pascal Twyman. And so we offer Billy Tubbs the job. He turns it down, right? He's at Lamar. And so he turns down the Tulsa job to stay at Lamar, right? This was not because that same year he went to go to OU. OU was the next year. So he turned down the Tulsa job. I'm going to not, I'm going to stay at my, my place here at, at Lamar college. Right. I, and the reason was, and you know, he, he was interviewed years later saying, Hey, why didn't you take that job? You know? And his reason was he just didn't think he could win with the, t- with the players that Tulsa had. We were, again, like Matt said, five straight losing seasons coming into this year, into 1980. Players on this team, not good, right? So he turns down the job says, no, nah, that would hurt my reputation to come join this program because I'm just going to lose there. And so that happens. Nolan Richardson, option number two. So we go to him. And what happens? He's like, I don't care who you guys have in the program, I'm going to bring my own entire team to this place and run the table, right? He was over there at Western Texas Community College, and those guys, they went, I think, was it 37-0, and 0, something like Undefeated oh, national champs. Yeah, the well, t- year yeah. before that, 37-0 and 0 before he comes to TU, won the JUCO National Championship, like, rolling at, in, the, at, in, the, in the smaller college, JUCO college level, right? So, sorry, go so, ahead. So- so, so in Billy Tubbs' defense, Noel Richardson kind of agreed with them. I can't win with those oh, yeah. players, so I'm bringing mine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't blame him either. I would, have, I would have probably done the same thing. I just wouldn't have been creative enough to say, hey, I've got the team. I want here. Because they had – I saw some interview with Nolan Richardson while I was getting ready for this episode, and they were like, why did you take that, that Tulsa job? You know, like, did you know – like, did you know things were going to go well? And he's like, you know – he played against a lot of teams. I think it was the Southland conference. They played a lot against and you know, uh, from junior college, right? They played some D one teams, lower level Missouri Valley back then was, was pretty, honestly, pretty good back in the eighties. And they, then they, but they played some like D one caliber opponents and just beat the brakes off them from a junior college team. Right. And so he felt really good about his talent level on that team. And he knew wherever he went, he was going to do his damnedest to like bring those guys with him. And so I totally get it, man. When you're coming into a program who, is very middling historically, and then also recently has just been straight up bad, right? What are you going to do? You're going to come in there and try to revitalize everything through the, through recruiting? You can try. It's going to take way longer, right? And so if you've already got a 37-0 national championship JUCO team, why not bring them all with you? Uh, so I, I totally get it. I saw from back to Tubbs here, um, I saw he he said they were interviewing him, whatever. He was like, why didn't you take the job? He's like, he's like TU should build a statue for me. This is Tubbs talking, not, not Nolan Richardson. They're saying, T, you should build a statue for me since I didn't take that job because I would not have done as well as Nolan Richardson coming in and building this program uh, to where it was. Because, like, yeah, it's just, you know, he, he brought those guys with him. And ever since that 80 year, man, it has been the Tulsa basketball team just, just totally different. It's like a clear line, you know, just you can look before him and after him, and they're two different programs. Uh, it was like he never won fewer than fewer. He was here for five years, right? Never won fewer than 19 games, most of them well over 20. 
three NCAA tournament appearances. We had one in the 67 years before he got here. In the five years that he was here, we had three, right? And NIT championship. We will get to that one. Um, just like, just totally different. Totally changed the game for the TU program. He's in the TU Athletics Hall of Fame, obviously. He's in the National Basketball Hall of Fame as well. Um, and he was only here for five years. And his five-year impact compounded seriously. Like, you look at early 90s teams under Tubby Smith, and you got late 90s under Bill Self. Those happened because Nolan Richardson set the table. Like, you can win here, right? You're, you don't have to necessarily come in here and be this average to bad basketball program. You can come in here and do it. And then Tubby Smith did it. And then Bill, Bill Self did it. And that led to, like, several years of good basketball. Now we're, you know, 2021, and we're trying to get back to that a little bit. But, you know, like, for, for many years there, that was the program. And, like, he did so many cool things uh, to, to, to kind of get that off the ground. I'm sure we'll get to him. Uh, but that's I, yeah. I wanted to set the table with that a little bit. And is he still kind of involved with the program? He's mostly associated with Arkansas, and understandably so. He has a huge presence around Tulsa. He was the, I think he was the coach of the, the Tulsa Shock, the WNBA team for several years while they were here. And so he, yeah, uh, big presence in the city in general. And then like, also, you know, you listen to his, you know, it kind of hurt me a little. I was watching his, uh, his Hall of Fame, like enshrinement speech back from, I don't know, several years back. And he had the Arkansas logo on his on his jacket, and I was like, ah, just put both, you know, put the put the Arkansas on <laughs> right there or something. But I mean, I get it; he was there for way longer with Arkansas, won the national championship, all that stuff. But um, yeah, no, he's still like he he speaks so fondly of his time at TU and how like again, like we'll we'll probably get to this later, maybe not. So I'll just bring it up now. But um, his like you know, it was the '80s. There were not that many black. Bas head basketball coaches in America, right? I think the first one was Mc something McClendon. I can't remember his first name. Do you remember, Matt? I think it was John. Maybe it was Jerry. Something McClendon. In like five years before that or six, or I don't know, maybe it was 1970 at the earliest. And so they were in, especially in like Oklahoma, you know? Um, and so he was the first one in like the region, like Oklahoma, Texas, anywhere around here that had a had an African-American head coach as the guy. And that takes like, he, he talks about it all the time of how many, you know, you just got to have guys in place that are going to be able to make that move and make that happen. Cause if, if not, he, he stays there in Juco or, or something else. I don't know what else happens, but he somehow was able to have these relationships in place and have people believe in him enough to say, yeah, there's going to be some outcry probably when we hire you as our, as our head man here, but we're going to deal with it because we believe you're going to come in here and kick everybody's ass, which he did. I mean, it paid off. Obviously we're going to talk about it, but um, it was just a huge deal. And he, he speaks about those years, I read so many interviews of him over the last week, just like thinking about this podcast and everything. And man, that guy also, if you've never heard, heard him talk, his dad, I think was a, was a preacher, like a pastor. And you could tell, like, he's got the, he's got like the preacher voice, you know, he can, he can communicate with you and he's got the attitude and uh, man, he's just a great dude to listen to. And so when he talks about his time in Tulsa and what he was able to do here and how he was able to totally change the trajectory of this program, it is it is just great. If you haven't heard his Hall of, like, Hall of Fame enshrinement speech, it is one of the best. It is, it is fantastic. I will need to listen to that, especially because we talked about crossing some paths. Yeah, I went to University of Oklahoma. Before he went to coach in Snyder, Texas, he was the coach of the high school basketball team in the city of 6,000 people I currently live in. <laughs> nice. So, yes, in Bowie, Texas, he was the high school basketball coach. Yeah, and that was all. I think I heard something about that job too, where he was the first black coach at that school, and it was like another. He had to have somebody who was pulling for him. You know, you got to have 
at that time it was like everything is a struggle for 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 an african-american man it was like you just got to get everything has to be you got to have people fighting for you you got to be fighting for yourself like hell and you got to have people on the same page right and he was able to get it done yeah because he talked about growing up in like el paso there were games where he didn't go on road trips because they weren't going to let him play at the uh schools that they were going to and it's like his second year they brought in a new coach was like i don't I don't care. We're gonna. I'm gonna put my best five players out there to win, and that's kind of like, kind of helped push. I think that's kind of like the first connection where he he talks about, like, yeah, that's the kind of attitude he wants, and that he's trying to push forward for himself and for like a lot of others. And so, yeah, I mean, what he was almost won like 200 games in 10 years at the high school level, went like 110 at the JUCO level, the fact that it took him like 13 years to get a college, like a D1 college job is just kind of insane when you look at it. And he just, he just did it. Like he, the guy is just, he's just, he's so awesome. Like he's got so many things about him when you watch him. He's just the man. Like you look at, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot, but like, look at like just what he was wearing when he was on the his style. Oh my God. It's just the coolest. It makes me, it makes me want to do it. You know, just, just do your thing. Just live your life. You know? And like, he's out there, he's got the full polka dots on. He's got a suit with polka dots on. He's got, I saw like there are time like at TU stadium, they didn't have an on-campus stadium at the time we played downtown and at the, it was the Tulsa convention center or something like that. And they would have people on unicycles rolling down the stairs, like down the stairs of the stadium, like wearing polka dots, wearing colors, like everything. Just to, just to try to get, like, again, I'll go back. The energy level around this program before Nolan Richardson was non-existent. Nobody cared about Tulsa basketball. Some people, not very many. And so it was like, what can we do to try to get some kind, any kind of energy around this program, right? He's just going to fucking pull out all the stops, you know? I'm going to bring I'm going to bring out everything I can. I'm going to bring out unicyclers. I'm going to wear crazy shit. I'm going to have our uniforms be awesome and we're going to play the fastest damn basketball you've ever seen in your life. And that worked. It was just like everything you can do. And man, we need that again like right now. So, hey, whoever's going to be the next Tulsa coach, break out the polka dots. Go back to those unicyclers. Were they were they throwing bowls from their feet on on their head like Red Panda or was just unicycling? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. I hope they were. I'm sure they were doing everything they could because again, it was just like we got to generate something here. Nothing's happening. Like university is not in huge support of the basketball program. The fans aren't coming out. Nobody's here. Nobody cares. What can we do? I hope it was like, yeah, just throw shit around, like throw things at people, get people moving around in the stands, you know, do whatever you need to do, whatever you think is necessary. Um, yeah, it, it's cool. Like, I think it was, I think it's the coolest thing ever. If we had people at the Reynolds center, like we have an on-campus stadium, you know, we've had it for a while. It was built in 1998. If we had people around and, and attendance is, is just, it's very bad right now. It's not, the basketball program is not in a good place. Not with this, not what this podcast is about, but if we had people rolling around in unicycles, wearing polka dots, I guarantee you more people would be coming up. No doubt in my mind. Uh, so man, I like, yeah, whoever's coming in, you know, do that, do that. It'd be cool. Yeah. Also, at one point, he had brought in a like former Harlem Globetrotter as an assistant coach. I don't remember uh, which <laughs> assistant that was, but I mean, yeah, it's like Harlem Globetrotters are obviously good at basketball. Like you have to to like, <laughs> act with basketball, but it's also they just kind of like they got style. They know how to act. It's so, like that's his entire mentality. Is like, hey, we're gonna win, but we're also gonna have 
a lot of fun and it's going to be entertaining as hell. And nobody's, nobody's going to be able to not watch, right? Everyone's going to like attention was on that program because of all this stuff. It was, man, he's bringing in a whole new team. He's wearing this shit. He's having unicyclers around. Like everything's happening, right? <laughs> Uh, what's happening in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Why is this happening? You know, and so people were into it, and that man, just the energy, even before the season started, was like, whoa, you know, something's something's different here. I don't know if it's good or bad, but something's happening in Tulsa, uh, and yeah, it was just it was really cool. So he brings in an entirely new team, and I I mentioned that a little bit, but like there was obviously a team before those guys out the door, except for one, Buzz Stevenson, like he was around, but outside of him, all the other guys basically. That, that actually played meaningful minutes and contributed to this team in, in a meaningful way. Came from Juco. Paul Pressey. We'll talk about all of them, I'm sure, more as we go through the thing. But just the names here. Paul Pressey, big timer. Greg Stewart, big timer. David Brown, Phil Bradling, heavy contributors to this team. Then we got Mike Anderson, right, who I have extremely strong opinions about, and I love that dude. Uh, so he comes to this team. But he did not come from, from uh, Nolan Richardson's team. Like, he was on a different Juco team. They played against Mike Anderson in the Juco playoffs, like in the tournament, uh, but not on the same team. But he's, he, like, obviously knew of the guy, so brought him over when he came to. But that's where Mike Anderson came from. Bob Stevenson was on the team before, and that was basically it, right? Like, the next year we got Steve Harris, NBA player, later on. He was a big-time guy, uh, but not on this team. So those were the guys. Like, everybody on this team that was a contributor, minus Bob Stevenson, came with Mike Anderson because he was joining Tulsa staff, which is – which, Which is, is just awesome. awesome. Yeah. It was like Ocean's Eleven Juco college basketball player edition. Like he just went <laughs> yeah. in and just collected the best talents that existed yeah. at that level. Yeah, for sure. And and they, they started out with uh, a big test right out of the gates. Oh, man. God, yeah. So, yeah, let's start getting into the season. So they had, I think, so, I, okay, basketball reference, religious user. But, man, they don't have the first couple of games in there for some reason. Um, there were two games before that, and it was like, Central State and Southwest Missouri State were the first two games, but they don't show up on Basketball Reference for some reason. Um, you're D two, you don't. You're not a real basketball school. It was both D two. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, so there you go. That's why. Um, but yeah. Oh my God. So like first two little warm up games, kind of exhibitiony. Uh, you get Louisville, right? Louisville comes to town, and it's like they these guys, you know, just won the goddamn national championship the year before. Number eight. Coming into your We're home state in the country legally too, not with uh, they didn't have to this one. <laughs> it's still, the banner's still hanging. <laughs> yeah, for real. And it's like, man, okay. So we we take those dudes and we go in. And like the first real game is Louisville, like you're saying. It's like, man, okay, what what's going to happen? You know, there's there's some hype. I'm sure you got a new dude, first black coach at TU, first black coach in the region. And like, how's this going to go? How's this going to work for TU? And we like Louisville comes in the first game. It just blows my mind still. Just like seeing it again. You beat them. You beat them by six in Tulsa to like in front of your fans. Who I'm sure at this point haven't really totally bought in. Right. Nobody knows about Nolan Richardson or what's going to happen with this whole program. Right. Who knows how many people were there and certainly not me. Um, but we can beat beat Louisville by six at home, like in the convention center in downtown Tulsa. Like, welcome to college basketball, Tulsa Golden Hurricane, right? And Nolan Richardson. That is big time. They're like, you look at Louisville's roster for this team. There's seven, like seven NBA players on this roster later on. That's the whole team. Like, there's like three guys who didn't play in the NBA on this. 35 turnovers in this game. We forced, <laughs> not from both teams combined, but we forced. 
Louisville, 35 turnovers had on just their side. And that's where we get into the, the goddamn 40 minutes from hell. You know, it's 40 minutes of hell. It's, it's, it's just, we're going to play you. We're going to play our ass off. We're going to play hard. We're going to trap you in weird places. You've never trapped. You've never been trapped before. Uh, it's just, it's just awesome style. And that's like the first time people really saw it for the first time on a national stage. And we come out of that game. You got to think the whole, you know, I don't know, like, obviously we weren't alive for this game. And today, if that happened, like you've got the defending national champion. I'm thinking about like, if, if Tulsa had done it this year, if we had beat the defending national champ at home with a first year coach coming off a losing season where nobody showed up to these games, what would happen, right? The media would, would certainly be going pretty nuts about it, but like these games, I don't know. Like I don't know what the, what the feeling was around the country or anything like that, but you got to think it was like, that's when it hit. That's when it hit. People were like, something's happening in Tulsa here. This is, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. They just beat the defending champs, right? Something's up. Yeah. You know what the feeling was like in Louisville though. They had um, one of their guys just sucker punched. Oh my God. <laughs> players when they were down, like right at the end of the game, just comes out like, there's like a confrontation going on between uh, Brown on Tulsa and somebody like on Louisville's bench. And all of a sudden, some guy just comes out of nowhere and just sucker punches Brown like across. It's like oh. insane. And <laughs> it's like there's no history between Louisville and Tulsa. Like there's not bad blood. I don't know yeah. if we've ever been in the same conference. And so like to get that, it's like, yeah, we're just a little upstart Tulsa. We're not supposed to do shit. And here we are beating the defending national champions. Like what the hell is this bullshit? And I think it's just because like nobody expected this out of Tulsa. Like we had for years been a ball control, very slow type of basketball team. And it's like, that's kind of what people were expecting. And that is not Nolan Richardson styles whatsoever. <laughs> like Ryan was saying, it's going to be 40 minutes of hell. We're going to force a lot of turnovers. We're pressing full game nonstop. And like, that's kind of what Louisville did to, a, to an extent. And we just did it better. We beat them at their own game, and you know that had to piss them off. Obviously, Tulsa was was better than uh, than you expected going in, but I can't imagine how difficult Louisville's practice was the first one after that. Game. <laughs> oh my god, I know, man. It had to be just like you just just fucking lost to Tulsa. What are you doing? I know, I know, I totally, I I know what you're saying for sure. And it's like, and like like Matt said, it's he was so different than the guy. I think it was Jim King or something. Was that the coach before before Richardson? Um, the guy, like he, he's, he cited in a few interviews where he's just like, you know, talking about how he, everything was like by the book, you know, what is a book? Everybody's a coach. Everybody knows the stats and the analytics. And even back then, you know, people knew like what you were supposed to do, quote unquote, in a basketball game. And he was like, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to throw this thing on its head and figure this out as we go and do what I was doing that won us 37 straight games at the Juco level, which was catch you where you don't expect to be trapped, catch you in a full court press 24 seven during the game, catch you all the time. Right. And that, I mean, you got to think like I, I saw, um, there was an interview with, uh, I think it was Louisville's. I, I guess it was this game. I think so. Uh, their, their head coach coming in they were like, what do you know about Tulsa? He was like, not, I don't know. I don't know anything about them. They, they're not very good. Basically is what he said. And it was like, okay, all right. All right. So we're, you're going to come into this not knowing anything. Nolan Richardson is about to just go hard. Like he's about to push you the whole time. And that, that threw him off. I'm sure like that, that was big time. 
and then like that's where also like the uh i don't know i i saw this too matt you put this in the notes um like the unofficial song of the hurricane of the golden hurricane basketball season this year i don't know if you guys saw this but it was it became like ain't no stopping us now do you remember who sang that yeah it's mcfadden and whitehead mcfadden and whitehead yeah so like this song comes out and it's like the classic 80s song i, I listened to it like five times today because i was so excited about the episode um <laughs> it became like the theme song of the year and it's like this you know they played it every game it was like the the players brought it up to the coach it was like hey we're feeling you know they beat you know two little d2 schools but then they beat louisville they're like all right we're on to something here they hit a at this point, they've won like 41 straight games, right? Coming off of last season where they went 37 and up. And so they're they're feeling the song, this Ain't No Stopping Us Now thing. It becomes like the theme song for the season, basically. And there were a couple others in there we'll get to later when we talk about Paul Pressey. Um, Can you sing the hook of that song for me? Ain't no stopping us now. <laughs> That's all I know. Love it. Yeah, I listened to it a bunch today. And it was great. <laughs> If that's a, if that doesn't get you pumped up, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah, it's like classic. Dude, I'm telling you, my my wife is like thinking about learning the bass guitar right now, and I'm like, what can you listen to to learn the bass these days? Like, I guess normal, like some like some funk music has some good bass these days. There's like I don't know, there's some, but man, you go back to the '80s, early '90s time. There's some serious good bass going on back then. I'm like, you should listen to that. There's good stuff. So I should I sent it to her today. I was like, you should learn this song. This is a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that song becomes like the, the main one of the year. And like, well, yeah, that, that comes back over and over again. But so, yeah, we start off just as hot as you could possibly hope to start. You're coming in your first year as the, as the head man in this program. You're going to go beat the defending national champs. You can't script it better for a start to the season, right? And so we take that. We win that game. People are like, all right, Tulsa maybe is the real deal. Let's see what's going on, right? Then you go, so especially like me and Matt, we got to TU in 2013, graduated 2017, all the time. Like we play OU in Oklahoma State fairly often, uh, especially Oklahoma State, more than more than OU. And like we just never beat them. Every now and then we'll get them in basketball. Like we got Oklahoma State a couple of years in a row recently. Uh, but like in football especially, it just hasn't happened in a long time, right? And so we think about that. Look back at the 80s season. We just beat them all, all the time. It was like Tulsa owned these guys every year. It was like we would beat Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or both, and not not even including Oral Roberts, who we'll get to later here too, who's a crosstown uh, a team just like 10 minutes from here. And so next game after the Louisville game is Oklahoma, right? So we get them on the road. In Norman. In Norman, baby. And it's like, we're going to go beat you guys. We beat them by nine. And so we take that. <laughs> we go straight from Louisville to the big-time school in the state. And then we also get Oklahoma State later, like a few weeks later, right? It's like every Oklahoma team is like, oh, my God, what is this Tulsa team doing? And that doesn't – like I mentioned I mentioned Oral Roberts, and we got them like right after OU. And that was on the road too, I think. Uh, I'm not looking at the schedule right now. Um, Sounds right. Yeah. We rode at Oral Roberts, like Ryan yeah. was saying. It's, it's <laughs> like six miles from TU's campus. But it's, it's, it's their stadium. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. uh, we hate Oral Roberts. They're a big sure. – we play we, them literally we every too. every year like, sure. since forever. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you get you get OU. You follow that up with Oral Roberts, which is always a good one. OU, of course, is good. Oral Roberts, always good, but expected in that one. 
Oklahoma State, you get a few weeks later. So, like, all of a sudden, in the first, like, three weeks of this season, or whatever, we beat Louisville and then all of Oklahoma, right? Out the door. We're doing, we're doing and so, like, all right, you just got to think the attitude around 1980 was like, wow, something is going on here. Maybe we should start going to these games. And that's when, no, like, no, these, Nolan, who? What, what's going yeah, on? For sure. I mean, I guarantee you that's like exactly what was happening. I don't blame you. Anybody, like, you go five straight years of a losing year with the coach before, and you're like, I don't care about this team. That's what's happening right now in Tulsa. So we just we got to do it again. And so like right now, it's like, man, everybody's waking up a little bit to what's happening here. And so, bam, all of a sudden, you're like, keep it rolling a little bit longer. All of a sudden, we get to Purdue. Purdue coming off. So Louisville won the national championship the last year. Purdue, final four team, right? So another big one, Purdue. And we, like, we also got them, right? And so it's like, uh, and we'll get to them later. It came a little bit later in the season, but like, what a hot start to the year. Like they were, they were a few weeks back, but I guess I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit before we get to Purdue. Right after the Oklahoma, Oral Roberts, Louisville, incredible start to the year undefeated so far, like 40, 43 straight wins for Nolan Richardson going back to last year. Then we come to Georgia, right? And Georgia was tough, right? They got Dominique Wilkins, who's an NBA Hall of Famer, and he was balling out at Georgia, right? And he's doing, he's a, he's a stud. And so we knew about him going in, or I'm sure they did, and couldn't pull it off. So that was the first loss. We lost that one in that game again, was the first loss for that basically entire team by a basket, like, right? A year I mean, and a half. What did you that, say? That was by a basket, right? I mean, you're not yeah. even like, – yeah. It came – it was a buzzer beater shot by, by Wilkins. Uh, Dominic Wilkins hit one at the buzzer to win that game by two. And so that was it. Like, it would have gone to OT had he missed that. And that was the first game they lost in, like, so long. that Like, I saw a thing from Nolan Richardson saying, you know, his daughter – he's got a young daughter at the time. She's coming to – every game going back to seasons before and that was the first game his daughter had ever seen him lose in, in her life right and so she cried all night like the whole night that's what he said in the interview it was like i couldn't get her to bed she was crying forever and because she just couldn't stop. it's the first game they lost in so long and like there's no shame you know in losing to, to a georgia team with dominique wilkins and like it's it's just gonna happen to you but um, yeah, it was just yeah, that was the first undefeated one. forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, you got to drop one at some point. It's going to suck whenever it happens. At least it happened to Georgia and Dominique Wilkins, you know, because that's a, that's a pretty solid spot to lose to. And they would go on. I think they made the NCAA tournament that year and, and did pretty well. So, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, that was the first big kind of drop um, or the first, the first drop at all uh, after an extremely hot start to the season. Um, so, yeah, we drop one to Georgia, move on. We go on, win a couple more in a row. We got Tulane next. We bring them on. Tulane, like I mentioned already, we got the awesome. Now we love Tulane because we got the the nice uh, fire cloud, Huffy the Hurricane, Herc the Hurricane. <laughs> Nobody knows his actual name versus the Angry Wave. And we love Tulane now. Uh, but back then, you know, they were still a big crowd. We played them a bunch of times. Uh, they were in different conferences at the time. Or no, they were in the Missouri Valley back then. I can't remember. It was an out of conference, but are you contractually obligated to say you like Tulane because your boss is a Tulane undergrad? Yes. yes but also, also, I actually do like Tulane. Guys, you got you, you know what the you know what the angry wave is, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you like him? I, I I've never really thought much about him. <laughs> this is like my whole life. I love, I love the angry wave. <laughs> 
that's so funny. Uh, okay, yeah. So Tulane, we beat them. Uh, we beat them uh, by like a lot, like twenty something, whatever. Um, so that's cool. And then we go. Then the Oklahoma State game comes up, which I already mentioned. We beat Oklahoma State, so that was like the end of the first several weeks in a row of like awesome stuff. We got Oklahoma State. We've got Oklahoma. We got Oral Roberts. We got Louisville. We knocked them all out. Oklahoma State was awesome. Beat them by two. Um, every D one team in Oklahoma beat them. OSC's got a future NBA or Leroy Combs playing for them. Follow that up. Last game of the non-conference season, we got Purdue. And we talked about them a little bit already. Final four appearance last year, the season before. We go, like, not just beat them by, like, two or by, like, six. By Lou. We beat them by double digit, by 14, right? That's a big time, you know? And so that's just, waking, again, just, like, starting off, you can't, like, how much better can you hope the season goes as a first-year guy bringing in a bunch of JUCO players who are good JUCO players? Obviously, don't get me wrong, but like, who knows how it's actually going to turn out? And so that is pretty sweet. So you go, you you get Purdue, you beat them by 14. It's just a dominant start to the non-conference year, to the season in general. And that's the last non-conference game of the year. Purdue's got three NBA guys on that team: Keith Edmondson, Russell Cross, Jim Rowinski. And we go into conference play sitting six and one with wins over the defending national champion, Final Four team, all the Oklahoma schools. It's like you can't, you can't you open can, you can't ask for a better. You can't ask for a better start. And, and aside, aside from, from dropping one to, to Georgia and Dominique Wilkins, you basically have done everything you could have possibly, literally possibly hoped for in, in this non-conference season, which is, which is pretty awesome. When you throw in those two D2 wins, which aren't on uh, basketball reference, and you're at eight and one, eight and one. for the, for the full. But yeah, so like coming into conference play, and I think it's kind of uh, important to kind of like talk about the Missouri Valley, just like where they were in the 80s, because it's like now, you know, maybe they've lost some of their luster, you know, it used a couple years, a couple years ago, it'd be Wichita State was like, you know, top dog of that conference was winning every year, and now they're in the American uh, which kind of renews a rivalry with Tulsa that we had back in the 80s. And we'll talk about that with some of those games. And so, but at the time, like Missouri Valley was Wichita State. It was Bradley, Creighton, TU was there, Indiana State. I mean, hell, two years prior to this 1980 season we're talking about, that's when Larry Bird took Indiana State like all like to the championship game. Like there were a ton of talented teams in this conference and they all – hated each other. (laughs) Wichita State recently joined the American. I want to say it was like three years ago. And so like Tulsa has kind of tried to renew a rivalry we've had back then. Uh, To some extent, it's kind of lopsided. Wichita State's kind of better than us just in in general when it comes to basketball. They don't have one. We got one. We got one. Yeah, we got a buzzer beater. um, Like 40 to 49 to 47 win. Um, But like you read some of the articles about these teams like oh man wichita state fans hated tulsa tulsa fans maybe hated wichita state like more <laughs> it was just awesome and so that's one thing that i think like i wish we had a better pulse on is how much hate there was for all these teams because i look at all these schools growing up in st louis i'm so familiar with a bunch of them because they're close to like where i'm from like bradley i looked at bradley for a while and like they had a I, I'm calling him Dick Versace. I don't know if that's his name, but Versace just sounds like, <laughs> like this dude who that sounds right. He like he went prematurely had like white hair, and so Tulsa fans dress up like with white wigs, just 
heckle the shit out of him. Oh, man. Like, I hadn't heard that. That's amazing. And so it's like the stories you hear about him. Like, I was just looking him up because I was like, okay, like, it seems like he took Bradley. Like, Bradley won an NIT. Like, I think in the Missouri Valley, they were one of the few teams to actually win a title, you know, back in like the 60s. But it's like Dick Versace, this guy from Bradley who we played every year and we hated. And he was just like an explosive personality. He once applied for a job that he found out halfway through was a football head coaching job instead of basketball. <laughs> Aced the interview, took the job, won the title, and then left to go coach basketball somewhere else. These are the kind of guys that were <laughs> like the Missouri Valley was stacked in the 80s, like a lot of really good teams. And so – like Tulsa, we were in that conference for what sixty years, nineteen thirty to like nineteen ninety five. Yeah, goddamn long time. Yeah, and so there was a lot of bad blood, and like these games, no matter what, like sure, defending national champion Louisville, that's gonna be a tough game, but every one of these conference games is gonna be tougher just because these teams have so much history, so much animosity. Yeah, and, and I mentioned before, like, Nolan Richardson had called, had, like, played some D1 opponents before and beat them pretty bad. And he was worried about going into the Valley, right? He called them the Valley of Death. He's got a quote where he calls it that. And back then, it was it was legit, right? Like, Larry Bird had just been there, like, two years back at Indiana State or whatever. I think it was Indiana State. And that's where he was at. And, like, they had just gotten rid of him. And he was like, thank God Larry Bird's not here anymore because I heard his name 24-7 when he was at that when he was with that league at Indiana State. And thank God, you know. Um, but it's, it's real, man. And that's why. Like, we started so hot this year. And you'll see, like, we start this year with a loss in conference play against Creighton. And this, this, this league, you know, it's got us. It's got who's about to have a come up. It's got Wichita State, who had been good for, for a while now. It's got Creighton, who would win the league. It's got Bradley. It's got Drake, right? These are good schools back in the 80s, and still a lot of them today. And so it's tough. Like, it's a tough league. There's a lot of strong teams, a lot of NBA players coming out of this league this year when we're talking about it right now. And so we open things up after this incredible start to the season, beating everybody that we could possibly beat, minus Georgia and Dominique Wilkins. We lose by double digits to open conference play to Creighton. Right. And that would come back to bite us later in the year. Uh, we're going to lose to him again and, and we'll get to it. But Creighton was good. They, they make the NCAA tournament this year. They got two NBA guys on their team. Kevin McKenna, Alex Stiverance came in second in the Missouri Valley near the top of the Missouri Valley for like the last five years straight, basically like first through third every year for those five years. And so that's a tough one. Like these guys are just good. And I, you know, I don't know this team. I don't know anything about them. I don't know anything about the Missouri Valley other than things I've looked up in the last two years uh, or like two years, two weeks uh, doing stuff for this podcast. But like this is a strong, strong conference this year, this, this year. And it's tough to like, after the start to the league, it, it's gotta feel like a shot to the gut uh, dropping one to Creighton. Who's a fine team, a good team, an NCAA tournament team, but it hurts. You know, it drops you down a peg, I think uh, coming off that start to the year. And you follow that up, uh, we got Southern Illinois, we got Wichita State, right? Won the next two. And then Wichita State was good. Like, Wichita State, again, a, a very good team. And that's a team who ended up, I think they were, like, ranked number 14 or something like that in, during the season. season? When we we beat them the time? I think we beat, them, we beat them twice. We beat them both, which is, like, never happens. And Wichita State, I don't, I don't know if they won the conference regular season or the conference tournament. They won one of those. 
because they ended up in the NCAA tournament as like a six seed, maybe um, made it all the way to the elite eight. And so like we yeah, swept, they him. won the conference that year. Yeah. And like we swept him that year. And on top of that, like I was saying before, like Wichita state is a team that we just did not like. Um, <laughs> um, like you read, I, so I was a, I was the sports editor for the student newspaper at TU when I was there. And so like, I've just been going through and looking at a bunch of like old articles from the eighties at this time. And it's like, I don't know if Wichita state was ever actually the wheat shockers like officially or what their mascot is, but the amount of like just passive aggressive insults that kind of get thrown in, in those articles are just like, I'm here for it. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, and so just like beating Wichita state, the first game I think was, it was at home, um, which is, fine it's way more fun to beat them um in wichita but at least since ryan and i have been following to you i'm trying to think of like every tu game i've been to in tulsa is essentially a wichita state home game like those yeah. people just they come out insane they travel so much for basketball so i can only imagine like this was still kind of the beginning of the year and at this point tu had started to sell out or get pretty close to that. Um, and that's one of the thing, like the amount of like students bitching in the student newspaper about not being able to get tickets is blows my mind. They had to change the policy. Like it used to be, um, they had like these activity cards you could get, which I would, I don't even know what that is. Like a student ID, maybe, I don't know, but it's like that used to get you a ticket. They changed the policy because they were convinced that they had students like, getting tickets and then just scalping them for like, like way more than asking price. They're like, why are all these non-students in our, yeah. Why are all these non-students in our student section? And so their response to use response to this is, okay, we're going to make it so that students can't get as many tickets. Cause that'll somehow make more students. I, I don't know, <laughs> but it's like T has literally never had this problem before. Like <laughs> we have never had an issue of having too many people wanting to go to games. And so it's like all of a sudden, yeah, these, these home games against Wichita in Tulsa are actually home games. And that is just, that's wild. Think back, you know, I, w I wish like today, you know, Wichita State comes to town. We got nobody in, like, it's all Wichita State fans. Nobody's there from Tulsa, like some people, you know, but whatever. I agree, man. It's like the same thing. Like, I, I love that we're trying to reignite this this rivalry with Wichita State. And then for, for some, you know, I think from some level, it never never went totally away because we still played them several times over the years. But, man, it was it was hot back then. That was like prime time, Wichita State-Tulsa time. And they're the most – they're the team Tulsa's played more than anybody else. It's, it's Tulsa-Wichita State, more than Oklahoma State, more than Oral Roberts, everybody. Um, and, man, if we can reignite that – and it's, it's kind of reignited a little bit recently since we're in the same league, but – the level it was back in the eighties when we were both the top of the conference, like year over year, uh, from 80 to 90. And even past that, it was like, man, that is, that is prime time. So yeah, I, I feel you. That's cool. Um, but yeah, like the conference schedule after that, it's just like, you know, it's good. Like we, we did very well overall. We lost a couple in there. Um, a big, a few big win streaks, honestly, uh, throughout the whole thing, but one, two game win streak. I don't know what happened, but yeah, a two game, Two-game streak down on the road, two-game road streak against West Texas A&M and New Mexico State. We dropped both of those by, honestly, like, neither of them were super close games. Uh, or, no, sorry, one of them was, 83-85, West Texas A&M. The next one, uh, a 13-point loss to New Mexico State. 
both of which are like fairly like middle of the road um missouri valley teams so i was kind of surprised when i saw that i actually saw something about that new mexico state game um again from like the student paper they're like oh yeah nolan richardson's gonna try out this like new strategy where he's going to travel to the game on the day of and then play that game and then travel back and they were just like it did not work we lost by 13 points (laughs) it's like maybe we should get there so that our players are like kind of rested and not just exhausted from traveling all day. Like, was, <laughs> do you know, like, why? What was the reasoning behind going on the going at the same, same time, time or anything like that? I have no clue. Maybe because it was like a Monday, and it's like didn't want to. Uh, yeah, no, they didn't. They they never gave a reason um, for it, but yeah, I've I don't know, but clearly it didn't work. And from <laughs> what I could tell, they didn't do that the rest of the season. So it was a. Yeah, good experiment, I guess, but you still lost to, like, a New Mexico State team who was at the bottom half of the Missouri Valley that year. So, rough lesson to learn. Yeah, I mean, you can do that for, like, an Oral Roberts, but... Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes Oral Roberts, you gotta, you got you really gotta rest up, like, just off campus. There's... I don't, yeah, you get it in town a little early. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's nothing in South Tulsa, like, I don't know. I... This is going to be, I don't know if this is going to upset South Tulsa listeners. No, uh, just, just take your rage out on South Tulsa right now. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm Midtown. Uh, that's where TU is. I live literally a half mile from campus. Just South Tulsa can just, uh, I don't, it's a whole different world to me. Uh, South Tulsa, I believe, is a lot closer to the legal Bigfoot hunting area in Oklahoma. Is that true? <laughs> I didn't know I that was illegal. Is What's the difference between a legal and illegal Bigfoot hunting area? Great, Great question. question. I guess other than like you might go to prison in one place. Well, I, I believe that, uh, yeah, you do have to apply for a hunting license to hunt Bigfoot. Um, and there's only a few places in the state where that's legal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I believe South Tulsa is closer probably than Mid-Tulsa, which would make sense. I mean, but, you know, Bigfoot is like I think uh, in Oklahoma has been seen – the ninth most times of any place on the earth. So, like, you know, it is kind of a hotbed. <laughs> Kyle, 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 you are, you are, you are breaking, breaking this information to me right now. I did not know. know any part of Tulsa was a Bigfoot hotspot. That is amazing. Thank you. I appreciate the, the, the update. That's also, good. the fact that South Tulsa is closer blows my mind. Like, I would have expected, like, Tulsa County is green country, Oklahoma, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I did air quotes. Um, <laughs> like the further north and east you go, it obviously is like much greener. Like the south Tulsa is like Kyle. I know like North Texas is kind of just a like a grassland desert, I imagine. But it's like that's the same everywhere else in Oklahoma. So it's like, where's Bigfoot going to hide? He's got to be in green country. Why is South Tulsa closer? I Bigfoot's not going to go where you expect him to be. Right. Well, when you think he's there, <laughs> he's probably going to be somewhere else. You know, oh man, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna follow this podcast episode up with a Bigfoot deep dive after the 1980-81 Tulsa basketball season we'll, deep dive. We'll, we'll have you. We'll have you back on with a special episode. Yes, of, uh, yes. Bigfoot stories. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah. So back. <laughs> uh, back on back on some Tulsa stuff. We got to like we come off. Uh, what did we leave off? Was it the losing streak? The two two game? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about New Mexico. Okay. okay, yeah. So like we follow that up, 
We beat Bradley, who's a top team in the in the Missouri Valley. That's a home game. That's a nice win. Uh, by like by twenty. Seventy four to fifty four there. Bradley was coming off of an NCAA appearance the year before and ended up winning the NIT like the season after this one. So it's like, yeah, Missouri Valley, like we were saying, two straight NITs, you know, across the conference, not bad. And Dick Versace. Yeah, and and the renowned football coach. <laughs> we win at Bradley by twenty. We go on the road. Wichita State. Wichita State at this point, number fourteen. In the country, top like this is a good Wichita State team, right? They got a lot of talent on that team, a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, three NBA players, uh, Ozell Jones is on that team, Antoine Carr, Cliff Livingston, yeah. a lot of good dudes. Two first rounds, like I think one was a number six, one was a number eight overall pick in like 1982 and 83. Man, you're just, just coming at me with this, this good, good stuff. stuff. It's good stuff, man. We go on the road. We already beat them at home once. Can we beat them twice, especially on the road? Right? We beat them like by two. At their stadium. And there's, that's us us up. We're in a good spot all of a sudden. And we were in a good spot before, especially with the non-conference. But if we're trying to make the NCAA tournament at this point, we're in a good spot. After the Wichita State win, a ranked win on the road. We follow that up. We lose on the road by freaking 30. Wait, 20. We lose by 20 on the road to Drake. Drake's a good team, too. They're like they're at the top of the Missouri Valley year over year, every year. But still, 20-point road loss. That hurts, right? And so... We're coming down like the the final stretch of the Missouri Valley season, and what's gonna ha- like we're we're doing our damnedest to get to the NCAA tournament this year. First year, like with Nolan Richardson trying to get there, can we do it? We get a nice win over Wichita State. We lose at Drake. We finish things out with three straight wins, two of which are Missouri Valley wins. One of which is Oral Roberts again, which I thought was weird, but we go there. Um, or no, they come here. Uh, which is what basically the same, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they come, you know, uh, a few minutes, uh, a few minutes North and play us and we, we beat them. Um, or always not, that, not that great this season. So we finish things out with a win over Wichita state on the road, a loss at Drake by 20 and then three wins, uh, in a row to go into conference tournament time. So at this point, the NCAA tournament at this point was like, how many bus- was it? Was it 45? 46? 48. Yeah. 48. That makes more sense. Yes. Um, so 48 for the NCAA tournament going into the 1980 year, right? Not the 64 it is today. And right there, like today, like still, the American, even like this se- this season and like the last like 10 years, is always like the bubble conference. Everybody's on the bubble all the time, except for Houston, who's like a top two seed like every year. Um, but besides them, it's always right there, right? So we got to make a splash in the conference tournament, try to get ourselves in there. And we start before, the conference before, tournament. Yeah, go ahead. Before we get to the conference tournament, one thing I noticed going through this is a lot of the high scoring games, like 80s is pretty regular. Yeah, uh, but 90s, 100s, like there's a few 100-point games. Like, yeah, great call out. It, and I, like that blows my mind, right? Because there was no shot clock at all. Zero. Right. It was not like a high shot clock. Like I think the shot clock started in 1985, right, at 45 seconds, right? It's like <laughs> half of that today. And there was zero shot clock. There was a game I was looking up a couple of days back. It was like Tennessee at Temple or something, and the final score of this game, no shot clock, was eleven to six. Right? <laughs> Do you, yeah, that that's what the final score. Sorry, final was, score of this game. This same season. I don't know. It was either that or before. It might have been like nineteen seventy-five, but it was it was right there, you know. And 
that was when everybody was like, oh my God, it might've been 1984. The shot clock started in 1985. And that's when everyone was like, we got to fix this thing. There was no <laughs> shot clock. And so we're putting up your, thank you for calling that out. I meant to bring that up at some point. Um, yeah, no shot clock all year. And we're putting up 80 a game. And that's where yeah, the 40 was... minutes of hell come from. That's like, we're uh-huh. pushing you. We're making the game go. And if you're not doing it yourself, we're going to force it on you. And that's, that's how that happened. And pe- teams weren't ready for that. And the, What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The fact that we, like, game planned for it and we wanted that to happen, that gave us a huge advantage in, in this mm-hmm. advantage. I think we were, like, the 23rd highest-ranked offense of the year, which is... Like, just going back to that literal, like, five years, 50 years since the inception of Tulsa basketball before, that was not what we did. We were a ball control, slow pace, like, we'll just go as as we please. And so, to go from that to, like, that was kind of the expectation when we brought Nolan Richardson in. Um, like, everybody was talking about, I hope like hoping that he brings that Juco style, like offense that he used to win where they talk about it's fast pace. It is just down your throat. And it's like, that was the expectation and that's what we got. And like, I don't know. That is just way more exciting basketball. Like even if you're not winning those games, it's so much more fun to watch. And like (laughs) the last couple of years watching just Tulsa basketball is like, as we've gotten lip service about being a fast paced team and it is not unless we play Memphis. Cause you know, Penny Hardaway over there is just like getting the ball, just do whatever. And we just lose them every time. But um, it's like, that's so much more exciting. And so I can imagine like, I wish we had been around to watch this and like hearing stories from people that we've interacted with on Twitter talking about like how exciting these games were to watch how fast paced they were and just like the overall excitement, no matter what happened, that's awesome. You got Paul Pressey out there who, you know, he, the dude, it was just the guy, right? He's a freshman this year. He'll end up winning uh, freshman or newcomer of the year in the Missouri Valley. And like that dude, he had a nickname his first year, the rubber man, man. That's what they call him. <laughs> right? And the reason was like, just ridiculous, like crazy wraparound passes. He's got super long arms. He's got, I'm sure we'll talk about him later on too, but like he was the, there's a, I I looked this up earlier, but um, there's like a, there's a couple people that claim to be the originator of the point forward position, right? Where you're, where you can play basically everywhere. But in his, in his position, it was point guard on offense and he'll, he'll guard a defense, like a forward defender uh, down low. And Paul Pressey was kind of the first example of that um, in, in Tulsa sphere for sure, possibly nationally and into the NBA. And so you've got this dude, like he like just exuberated just like baller mentality. You know, he had like wrap around his body passes, alley-oops to him all game. It was just, it was amazing. And this guy, like, he was the spirit of that team. And that's where he kind of came up with the ain't no stopping us now thing we got to earlier. And it was just awesome. Like, he could do whatever he wanted. Nobody could stop this guy. Had a very long career in the NBA with the Bucs and two other teams. And 
it was really good stuff. I'm sure we'll get to it later, but yeah. Um, and the, really the, cool. the quote uh, from like Wichita state and other teams that would play him is like, like we were a fast paced team. And so you go and like, there's a lot more stuff on the Arkansas teams um, just because they got more national attention. But it's like, we, we were the same style. Like we were 40 minutes of hell before that was like the official name from like 1992 or whatever in Arkansas. And so like they talk about Pressy having like as the game went on, his arms got longer when they were doing the one three one press, <laughs> and it was because these guys were so tired. It's like they, it's like as they would get tired out, and like Nolan Richardson is just subbing guys in, in and out. He's like, we're gonna go, like I'm gonna wear you out. You're gonna get off. I'm gonna put somebody else in. We're gonna keep redoing it. And it's like yeah, Pressy's arms get tired or get bigger because you're so tired. It's like all of a sudden you can't get past it anymore. He's just like he, I mean. He was a two-time, two or three-time, uh, like first-team def- defense in the NBA. Like, that's what we got at Tulsa. And it's like, okay, so I'm wearing this. It's not official. So like, I have a Bucks jersey because I'm a Bucks fan uh, from my old roommate. It's a throwback. It's like from when they had the Mecca um, floor. It's like this is what their center looked like. So it's the red, orange, and yellow. This is a Giannis jersey. Giannis is yeah. awesome, but. You can pretend that it's actually a Pressy jersey because he was a first round draft by the Bucks and played for them for like eight years and was like one of their. I mean, the fact that we got a first round NBA talent from JUCO because of Nolan Richardson, I mean, dude was awesome. And like still involved with the university. Like he comes back, we have Legends Day. Like he still comes in. He's got like all these connections are so just wild. It's like, Pressy, his sons played at Mizzou under, you know, originally Mike Anderson. And then Frank Haith comes in. They stay at Mizzou. Frank Haith comes to Tulsa, who has this connection to Pressy and like Mike Anderson. And it's like all the worlds are just, I feel like it's just wild. You're uh, loving what we're doing here, talking with Ryan and Matt, and they're going to be grabbing a drink. So it's time for us to reach into the quack cooler and grab a refill. Um, Let's see. I've got me a. This is a frozen Bloody Mary. It uh, sounds really good to me. Oh, it's pretty awful. Oh, but uh, <laughs> not nearly the uh, quality that we get here from Quack Golf because Quack Golf is now the official sponsor of all of our stories podcasts. Um, Jeremy found Quack Golf looking for uh, various things on Twitter, and man, he said, "What a logo!" It is. I play golf. <laughs> I should look at this. And he found their gear and said, wow, I kind of like that stuff. These guys are, you know, out of Ireland. They're actually out of Dublin, uh, which is different than Mike Myers uh, from the old SNL days where he was, I'm not actually from Dublin. I'm from just outside of Dublin. But I got tired of telling everybody I was from just outside of Dublin. So now I tell everybody I'm from Dublin, even though I'm from just outside of Dublin. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, this is like golf gear made by golfers right so like it's cut to fit it's not like loose and baggy it's made to where you can actually have a golf swing um i'm actually wearing one of their socks right now i'm not going to tell you where i'm wearing one of their socks (laughs) you know it's it's a gorgeous lahinch green and i i can tell that because i'm colorblind uh, but no, really, you want to check out everything that they have. They're, they've got a website. They're actually putting more and more stuff up there each and every day. So you can check everything out at quackgolf.com. That's quack spelled K-W-A-C-K. And you can use our promo code, STORIES15. 
15% off your order, which is pretty awesome. So check it out. That's stories15 at quackgolf.com. And if you order using our promo code, send us a, a screenshot, please. And we'll send you a koozie for free. Beautiful. Quackgolf.com. <laughs> well done. All right. So we left off at the end of the season, right? And we're going to start. Yeah. yeah. Heading into the conference tourney. Yeah. Going into conference tournament time. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Shot, shot first, though. Oh, yeah. Damn. We're going to do shots? Okay. Yeah, I just, apparently the fake Bloody Mary I opened was actually like a sour beer from an old yeah, uh, was beer competition. Oh, <laughs> but I'm going to drink it. Guys, I stood up and I was like, oh my God, I've had so much whiskey. Oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is not, not good, good for, for, for podcast, podcast time. time. No, it's good <laughs> for podcast time. Yeah, it's what you want. We should do it more often. We should just do this every week. All right, let's start with uh, you, you you'll say that, and then tomorrow you'll be like, We should never do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so true. I know it's gonna work tomorrow. Oh, it's gonna be tough. Power yeah, through. We'll see. It's Friday. Guys, I, I gotta, gotta tell you, this, this is, is the, the most, most fun podcast, podcast interview I've, I've ever been, been on. Like, <laughs> nobody else wants you to drink like four glasses of whiskey before you come on the podcast episode. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh. It allows us to have some fun conversations that we wouldn't otherwise have. Okay. Let's talk about some conference tournament stuff. So All right. we start off here. End the season, three-game win streak, or end the regular season, I should say. Three-game win streak. Coming off, you know, we beat Wichita State. We talked about that before. Uh, number 14 on the road, big win. We go on the road again, beat Drake, or lose to Drake by a lot, by 20, 87 to 107. And then we finish the regular season. Three-game win streak, right? We beat Indiana State, New Mexico State, Oral Roberts at home. Oral Roberts, not in the conference, but another game that happened. So, coming in, feeling pretty good, feeling solid. We're, we're, we have a great record at this point in the season. But we're still very much on the bubble of making the NCAA tournament. Back then, 48, you said, Matt, was the number of teams that were in back then. So, there we go. It's not the same 64 teams that were allowed in as of today. So it's tougher, right? Sorry. 68 teams make it. Yeah, 68 today. Sorry, yeah. I, yeah, I misspoke. Thank you for Tulsa being number 68 in 2016. I make sure that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the literally last team. Nobody thought we were going to make it in 2016, but we did. Anyway, um, back to this this season. It was, it, was, it was wild, man. Like, there was a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff, you know, it was like, are we going to make it or are we not, right? And so we come into conference tournament time. We get New Mexico State early, who's a, a middle to like bottom tier um, conference opponent, right? And we beat them uh, only by one, right? So it's like, okay, what's going to happen going forward? So we beat New Mexico State. We got them. We got them at home. Then we go on the road to Creighton in Omaha. Um, we play them and we lose. So we lost to Creighton earlier this year, and we lost them on the road before too by quite a lot, right? By 21, 97 to 80, or by 11, 97 to 86. Uh, also in Omaha. And it's like, okay, what's happened? All right. Are we going to make the tournament or not? And that, that's tough, right? Conference tournament time, it's like down to the wire. You've got no games left. If you lose, it's like it's up to whoever's going to put you in the tournament. And so we're at this point, and it's, it's hard, like, looking at that. And we lost. We beat Creighton one time. We beat them at home. We split the series with them on the season. Lost to him on the road, beat him at home. What's going to happen? 
going into tournament time. And we're like, I don't know, man. Nobody knows. And it was very much on the bubble, right? Because two team, two other teams from the from the Missouri Valley made the conference tournament, Wichita State and Creighton. And we had a better record than Creighton did, but we lost to them. And, I mean, Creighton also lost to us. So it's like one of the two is going to be. Do you know why? Because, yeah, uh, you finished a – Tulsa finished ahead of them in the conference, I believe. So yeah. Why was that? Why was that game in Omaha? Yeah. Honestly, I have no idea. I know. I had the same thought. I was looking at that earlier earlier today. Honestly, and I was. I had the same. I, yeah. I I came across the same thing. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like my first thought, which is I'm certain is not true, is just that like we were so bad for the last five years in a row. It's like we're just gonna give it to Crichton and give it what a fan, right? Yeah, exactly. But like, there's no way. And so I don't know. I don't know why it was. Because you heard about the unicyclers, right? <laughs> yeah, you've heard about the polka dots going on here. Like, what's happening? Um, did so, you bring yeah. them on the road? Like, Valley is a very serious conference. Like, there's no unicycling allowed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out of here. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, it was weird, man. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I missed something obvious here, but I'm not sure what it was. Yeah. We did have a better just, record than them. I just put out the record was the same, but for whatever reason, I mean, Tulsa was listed as two. I guess they were both at okay. two, but maybe so the record was the exact same. Yeah, they're both eleven five. Okay, there you but, go. Okay, but, but Tulsa, Tulsa had the it better overall, so I feel like that should have been the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah but if the only thing I can think of is like Creighton technically outscored us in our two games like they beat us by 11 and we beat them by two so maybe yeah, yeah I wonder. that's the only thing that i can even think of yeah yep. fantasy football playoffs man i mean you know you gotta have a decider <laughs> yeah and like that ended up being such a big deal right because yeah. like two teams two teams from the Missouri valley made it this year a solid conference uh creighton wichita state ended up going on and we do not get the ncaa tournament bid and that was a big deal right because it was Again, we'll go back. Like, it was such a hot start to this year. And it was like, man, we got this thing going on. Things are rolling. Up and down conference season, like, overall, pretty pretty positive, especially compared to seasons before. And it was like, okay, we should probably be in, you know. But for mm. whatever reason, uh, they, they took Creighton over us. And it, I'm certain it was because of the conference tournament uh, decider right there. So that sucks. So Creighton gets to go on. Um, we end up going to the NIT. And so that's what we're going to talk about next. The NIT ended up being uh, a pretty nice little consolation prize for us. Yeah, and I don't like the NIT was the first tournament, right? I'm pretty sure the NIT existed before the NCAA tournament. And yeah. so it was, I don't know where the cutoff is for like when the, when March Madness became the, the bigger one. Obviously, obviously it was before 1980 season, but it's like, I feel like back then in the '80s, the NIT had more prestige than it has now. Like now, yeah, it's, it's kind of held, it's still held it's still held weight. Yeah. Whereas now, it's like I guess like Memphis won last year, which to me is proof that the NIT is like worthless because like <laughs> NIT is just like nothing but smoke. Dude, Memphis has won like seven straight games. Don't get I don't give a shit about Memphis. This year. <laughs> don't, don't bring facts into my opinion. No, I, I know what you're saying. It's true, man. Like, God, it, it's true. Like, we were, 
Oh man, it, it was just yeah, it was wild. Like it was good to make the NIT. Don't get me wrong, but like the we we barely beat New Mexico State at home by one. Right? It was like New Mexico State's a middle of the road conference opponent. You would hope you beat them by more, and then we go and we and we drop one. You know, drop two out of three to Creighton, and so Creighton gets to go. They got the winning advantage over us. If you're gonna pick one of the two. Yeah, I get the conference records are the same. Overall record is a little bit better. Little did you know that that was essentially a play-in game. Yeah, for real, man. Like looking back on it now, it's like, God damn, what would have happened? I don't know. Um, so yeah, we drop it to Creighton. Um, forty-eight teams taken back then, and so we go to the NIT. All right, so we're on to the NIT, and it's like, okay, so people get the Tulsa hype a little bit here. We get the first three rounds of this tournament in the maybe center in Tulsa. The maybe center is not our home stadium, but it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we get a serious advantage. Yeah. And I like, honestly trying to figure out why we played at like maybe center. That's Oral Roberts stadium. So yeah. like we've talked well, about it, it is now. So, so that's, that's I was going to ask, ask you about, about that. It was that because maybe center I'm pretty sure is on ORU's campus. Yeah, so, it is today, but like, is that the same? I'm maybe sure it's the same center. Yeah. Okay. And, like, the only thing I can think of is that they had booked the convention center because we played downtown at, like, the Tulsa Convention Center Assembly Hall. What is, like, it must have been booked because they weren't, like, expecting TU to possibly be hosting <laughs> basketball, you know, like, a year yeah. before or whatever, whenever they were picking up the schedule. And so, I think that Nolan Richardson was coming to town. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. 15 and 0. Fire coming. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So we were, like, 15 and 0 at home on the season, but technically weren't playing at home, but fortunately somehow we were two and one at the maybe center. So like we had played at the maybe center more than once against just oral Roberts. I don't know why, but like that was the case. So it was still looking pretty good for us being like a one seed in the NIT. Yeah. So we opened things up over Rio Grande Valley, Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Uh, now they're doing, now they're Rio Grande Valley. Back then they were Pan American University of Texas Pan American. Thank, Thank you for the clarification. I totally would have missed it to say that. I skipped over that note. Thank you very much, man. You're a good guy. Uh, so yes, Texas Rio Grande Valley. Or wait, what did you say? Pan American Rio Grande Valley. Okay. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we win that game. Double digits. 10, 10 point win. Eighty one to seventy one. Um, they were a fine team. Eighteen eleven on the year. Not not a, not a huge team. Eighteen eleven. Um, no NBA guys on a team, independent, not in the conference, whatever. So we move on. We go to UTEP, which I think is a little bit more interesting. UTEP, that's where Nolan Richardson went to college. Uh, back Ooh. then, I think it was called Texas Western, but yep. he was there when he was the, like, now it's called UTEP, right? Back then, Texas Western. So a good game for Nolan Richardson, playing his old school in the NIT tournament, which I think is super cool. Um, so, yeah, we go there. Uh, we, we play them. Uh, we beat them. Okay. Like not a huge win. Uh, not, a, not a terrible school. Uh, they were 18 and 12, nine and seven in the whack that year, 72 and 67, or the, the final score was 72 to 67. Um, I saw later, like the head coach of that program was Don Haskins. This guy, he coached there for 40 years. He was there from like 1960 <laughs> to 2000. 40 years? Yeah, 40, 40. It was like, wow. man, this, I, and we're going to get to another school who who the coach was like the head coach for a very long time also. But uh, this guy, also Don Haskins, he was there for a very long time. 40 so, years. So he definitely didn't take a hiatus and go coach a 
college football team and no. win a championship and come back no. to college basketball. No, you, you don't think about that one. Don't, don't even. No, 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 no. no Dick no, Versace. No. We no. we are support as as much as Bradley is like a hated rival. Dick Versace is like <laughs> respected on this. There's only one Dick Versace. <laughs> <laughs> only one Dick Versace, baby. That's that's so true. Painting the title of this episode is great. Um, yes. So we take down UTEP or what was, what is now UTEP, but what was then Texas Western. Okay. So now we are trying to get to the semifinals, right? The final four. And we take on South Alabama. South Alabama is a good team, 25 and six, nine and three. They're in the Sun Belt, So nine and three in the Sun Belt that year. Coached by Cliff Ellis. He'd go on to coach at Clemson that season. Two NBA guys on that team. Um, Ed Ryan's, Ed Rains, Rory White. We beat them, but only by one, right? So it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. 10-point win, first round of that tournament. Um, One-point win, or sorry. Yeah, 10-point win, first round. Five-point win, second round. One-point win, third round. So it's getting smaller as we go here. And South Alabama's a good squad. Good talent on this team. Can't get it. They couldn't get it done. We get We get past them. Go on. So we make the playoffs of the NIT, go to the semis. And that's when the big dogs start coming in. The NIT hadn't always been in New York for the final, right? That was kind of a, like, I was trying to. I don't know when that started. Yeah, I don't know. But it was like the first time Tulsa had ever been to New York for it. It was big. It was like to the point where they had watch parties at on campus where everybody got an apple. Um, not only to like prevent illness i guess but also because it was in new york so it was kind of a cool little thing okay everybody celebrated that it was in new york and nobody got scurvy <laughs> <That's a win-win. laughs> they don't do that now half the half the tu campus has scurvy from my knowledge <laughs> that sounds right, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah i saw they gave out those apples though they gave out apples for the big you know to be in New York, to be in the Big Apple. It was cool. There was like a big watch party for the entire like semifinal, the final four and on. And yeah, it was cool. Like t- tons of people came out. People were psyched about the program at this point. And so we get on to the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was saying, like you said, uh, you're starting to, so now you're in the final four. Of yeah. The so you're getting the, the bigger programs, but early on in the year, you already went up against it. So they're not going to have like, Wide eyes, like can we compete with these guys? You already beat Louisville, you beat Purdue, yeah. beat the, uh, you beat all of Oklahoma's. Uh, yeah. So it's not, it's it's something that you know. Okay, we we we've been through this, we've done this. Like we're not gonna, you know, be outclassed. Yeah, uh, West Virginia is in the Eastern Athletic Association. With honestly, Matt, I had never heard of before. I started Sorry, looking. looking you, you know, know this conference? conference? No, I mean just from looking at it in the last couple of days, but it's like, it seems like the Eastern athletic eventually merged with the big East because it was like St. John's is in there. Who's in the big East now. And like West Virginia was the team that didn't get asked to join the big East. And like, that's one of the, um, or like, were they been the big East before they went to the big 12? I don't know. Conference realignment, man, what is it? But I mean, like I you mentioned, you mentioned, like, they, 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 you mentioned Purdue um, and like we had beat them already. Like, they were a potential team we could have faced in the final. Like yeah. you look at, so it's us versus West Virginia and one half of the final four. You look at the other side, it's a Syracuse team that at first didn't want to be in this tournament because they thought they were an NCAA team, but it's playing in New York city. Like that is a home game for them. They're playing Purdue. 
So it's like, you know, the odds that we play a team like Purdue that we've already beat, like we know like West Virginia, Syracuse, Purdue, who gives a shit? We've beat these caliber of teams already. We'd be better than these teams already. So like we were not a scared team or a like nervous going into this final. And just real quick on the Syracuse point, it, it seems to come up if people listen to this podcast regularly and have heard me talk about this before. I can't stand Syracuse because there's perpetually on the bubble and Jim Beheim just bitches and moans until he gets into the tournament. <laughs> but it's it's always been the same with this program. They're just always on the bubble and then sometimes they'll get in and then other times they're in the NIT and they're pissed about it. And For sure. I just can't stand Bayheim or Syracuse at all. I just, just my little side tangent, but it comes up every goddamn podcast I'm on. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. I'm so glad <laughs> you said that because I mean, obviously, you know where this is going. We're about to get to Jim <laughs> Uh God, that's good stuff. So yeah, we end up beating West Virginia only by two. Close game comes down to the wire, um, and they're a good team, right? Sorry, but it turned in the opposite though. Like from a one point victory to a two point, like. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're turning you know, up. Yeah. The ship is right in itself. Warming, man. It's going to be 105 here in no time. <laughs> yeah. So we go from like, you know, what was it? 10 to ten to 5 to 1. Now back to 2. We're about to go back to 10 against Syracuse to win the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we beat West Virginia. There's a whole watch party going on in Tulsa. Everybody's psyched up about it. They're giving out apples, all this stuff. So... NIT championship comes around. We're taking on Syracuse. You mentioned it already, Mike. It's it's Jim Beheim. He's pretty new there at this point. He's been there for obviously forever at this point. But this year, I think it's his fifth year. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, fifth season. Fifth season in Syracuse. Second season in the Big East at this point for Syracuse. Uh, Nolan Richardson is 38. First year in D1. We talked about that already. Um, Syracuse known for playing. Very hard, very fast, kind of a similar style to to, to Tulsa. Um, two NBA guys on this team, and Danny Shays and Leo Rottens, ends up being just an amazing game. And this was this was an awesome NIT championship game. Tulsa goes up by six at the halftime. Syracuse comes back out of half, takes the lead back, goes up by seven, ends up going to overtime. You know, Syracuse goes up, we come back, we tie it up, we go to OT. All this stuff's going on. We play so fast, like, so Syracuse, like I said, they, they're a fast-playing team. They're a fast-paced team. They do a lot of stuff. We, we're somewhat beating them, their, beating them at their own game at this point in the game, right? And so <laughs> I was blown away when I saw this stat. There are, there are three guys, three starters on, this te- on the Syracuse team that have, at this, at going into overtime, have fouled out. So after three <laughs> or more, have fouled out of this game. So we've got two starters from Syracuse playing. In not that, and I'm not saying this to say that we like blew them out in OT because we totally didn't. It did you see this? There were there was like there was actually OT, only one bucket basket in overtime. Yeah, yeah. There, there was, was one, one actual bucket that happened in this OT. Everything else was free throws. It was all nobody could score despite Syracuse not having. They're, they're like, like you know, they're big time NBA guys uh, scoring for them. They in in, in Danny Shays and Leo Rodden's, there was only one actual bucket happening here, and that that bucket that happened was the game was the bucket that won this game for us, which was just I can't like I look back that I'm like man, we scored so many points per game, and it came down to one bucket, you know, one bucket, and the bucket was by Greg Stewart scored the winning basket with 30 seconds left in OT. 
um, the one bucket came from Greg Stewart. And that was, uh, you know, Syracuse coming down. They've got three guys fouled out, right? And two of those guys are Danny Shire and Leo Rottens, two NBA guys later on. And because they were fouled out, they couldn't score. And we won that game because they were out of this game. So we score with Greg Stewart with 30 seconds left. So the guy that takes the tying shot with like seven seconds ends up being this dude, Gene Waldron, who's off the bench for Syracuse. And because everybody was following, he had to shoot. So he misses the shot. We block it. I don't know what happened. Um, game over. We end up winning this game. 86 to 84. High flying game again to go on the streak of high scoring ones we've had this season. And oh my God, you like you look at the you look at the score of this game. First of all, lots of points. Second of all, Syracuse fouled 31 times in this game. So many, <laughs> so many fouls happening all over the place here. 21 turnovers for Syracuse, which is not like the, not quite to the extent of the Louisville game earlier, you know, game one basically of the season where it was like 35 fouls for Louisville that game. But still, um, a lot of fouls, 21 turnovers in this one. Crazy just for Syracuse. And Greg Stewart hits the winning bucket with 30 seconds left, and nobody can score on Syracuse's team to tie it up. So there we go. That, that, that game had to take like three and a half hours. Oh my God. I had the same thought, man. <laughs> like, it was like, dude, so many fouls. All the whistles, I'm sure you know, people they are throwing the ball out of bounds for some yeah. of those turnovers and all that. God damn. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, it was just like, man, it came down to the wire here, right? It's tied up. Greg Stewart ends up hitting the final shot with, with 30 seconds left, and Syracuse can't tie it up, and, and there you go. So Tulsa ends up winning it, winning the NIT that year. Nolan Richardson's first year with the program, bringing in this entire team with him to revitalize and start, basically, the Tulsa basketball program as we know it today. And that is that is just awesome. And then you look back now, and you see, like, when that team won the game, when they flew back, from from New York in the Big Apple, fifteen hundred people in Tulsa waiting in the airport for them to like congratulate them, clap their hands, say, "Hey, you guys, you put us on the map. Thank, like, appreciate appreciate what's going on here." It was it was just amazing. Yeah, and that was at four like four a.m. Four a.m. in the, the freezing cold. Yeah, like March twenty sixth or whatever in Tulsa. I'm like, okay, it's springtime now. Tulsa says, "To hell with your spring." We get so much snow in, in March for some reason. Like, this is the weirdest state. Like, today, it's <laughs> yesterday, it was 80 degrees, and we had a tornado warning. Like, <laughs> 20, March 26th, freezing cold, these people waiting at the airport to congratulate this team. Like, the city went crazy. Like, this was one of the biggest, like, Tulsa doesn't have professional sports. We have University of Tulsa. We had a couple minor league, like a so- minor league soccer team that's also Roughnecks. And it's like this oh, WNBA team. team. Well, not at the time. Like WNBA didn't come until oh, sure. way later. Yeah. Um, also, Nolan, Nolan Richardson, uh, fun connection. But yeah, so like this is a huge sporting event because it's like this is Tulsa's team. Like it's not a lot of times. You know, a lot of people in the city of Tulsa are OU or Oklahoma State fans because that's where a majority of people in the state go to college and then they end up in like OKC or in Tulsa. It's like, but this was Tulsa's team. This was not Norman. This is not Stillwater. Like people were proud of this team. Like the celebration that took place at like downtown Tulsa drew in thousands of people. Like it was awesome. But like 
to go back to this game, it wasn't just like the resilience that the team kind of showed because like as Ryan was talking about, TU had a lead for a majority of this game. Second half, Syracuse comes in, they take the lead for the first time. And it's like, when that happens, this crowd in Madison square garden is probably 90% Syracuse fans. And like, they don't care that they're in the NIT anymore. They want the championship. So they're getting loud. They're getting, it is no, it is not a neutral site game. Like it probably hasn't been, but it is like definitely a road game in like one of the toughest environments. And so like Nolan Richardson, like one of the things that he talked about um, was like this quote that he attributes to his grandma. Like his, his grandma raised him is like a huge part of his life. And she, like, she talked about killing ants with sledgehammers, like do more. Dude, I love this quote. So yeah. Good. And it's like, you got to kill an ant with a sledgehammer. Cause it's like, you got to do more than necessary. And it's like, that's what he told his team. It's like, you guys got to shut this crowd up because they will absolutely destroy us. If we let them <laughs> keep getting loud and Syracuse getting all of this like momentum. And so that's what they did. And so the game went back and forth. Like after Syracuse took that lead, like that seven point lead, it was back and forth to the point where, I mean, everybody from Tulsa, everybody from Syracuse was on pins and needles. Like nobody knew what was going to happen. Tulsa was up with um, like the last, they were up 84, 82 Syracuse hits a, like the game tying shot to send it to overtime. And it's like Tulsa's deflated. Like we thought we were going to win. We thought this was over. And Richardson is just like, no, nah, just, just end them here. Like, it's fine. Just don't let the crowd make any noise. Put down a defensive clinic. Like we're an offensive team, but I mean, goddamn, we had Pressy, we had Stewart, we had the defenders to like make this happen. So you talk about, yeah, both teams had a single set of free throws, and then we had one shot. The fact that we went five minutes without giving Syracuse a single shot, I think, just goes to show how smothering we could be when we needed to be, and like. We had used that all year, but here it's like when it really mattered, Tulsa got the job done. And like they, they showed that that just resiliency that they had. Yeah, man. They showed that they showed the 40 minutes of hell. You know, it was like, okay, it's it's game time now. We gotta we gotta come show what we did all season and put the pressure on these guys, show what we got, you know? That's what you gotta think was going on uh, among the team here. Ten so we win this game, right? Ten thousand people show up downtown Tulsa to celebrate this win. 10,000 people. And this was, again, like, I'll go back. The program before this, nobody cared about the Tulsa basketball program. For 10,000 people to come downtown and welcome this team in a small little, it's like the, the Bartlett Square, it's called the Bartlett Square. It was a, now it was a fountain. There's a cool fountain there. Um, but, like, that's not a huge area. Right. It's that's like, where, it's that's where it was. What? Yeah, it was Bartlett Square. That is tiny. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And so, like, for, for 10,000 people to show up to this area downtown was huge for the city, for the university, for everything, right? And so you've got people everywhere. And you've got, you got you listen to Nolan Richardson talk about what this season was to him, even after his Arkansas National Championship. I'll, just, I'll read you this quote. He says, we won a national championship at Arkansas, and there's no question that is what every coach wants to win. But to win the NIT at Tulsa and see how the fans were there – to come in on at the airport and it was freezing and to see 1500 people at the airport. It's incredible to this day. We won the national championship, came home 
And they had a little bit. It was nothing like what they had the next morning in Tulsa. He's talking about the national championship in Arkansas. It was nothing like what they had the next morning in Tulsa. It was that. It was nothing like the weeks to come. It was the most incredible feeling I've ever had as a basketball coach of seeing how much one city and one community appreciated the fact of what we had accomplished. It was unbelievable. Nothing has come close to that, right? And this is a guy who's won a national championship. And I'm telling you, man, like our downtown, it's got some stuff going on, but it's not like it's that that giant of a downtown, right? So for for 10,000 people, especially 1980, right, to come out and support this team and be there, for an NIT, not a national championship, <laughs> NIT championship, 10,000 people to come out and say, hey, we love what you just did. We are here for you. We're, we respect you. We're going to support your program no matter what. We're going to come out in like the freaking 28-degree weather, whatever it is that day. We're going to come out and be there. That is That was the coolest thing I saw from this whole season. Nobody, I mean – if that happened today, I would be the happiest man on earth. I want that to happen. I, I like that would be incredible. And that was back in '80, before Tulsa was even like on the map, you know. So that is that is just amazing to me. Yeah, and Tulsa has like a like you think Oklahoma, you think Texas, like the first sports that come to mind are obviously football. Like Texas, Oklahoma, Friday night is one of the biggest nights of the year in the fall because that's when high schools play football. Um, and then you get like Saturday, you have OU, Oklahoma State. But it's like Texas ha- or Oklahoma has such a passion for basketball that I think a lot of people just kind of don't think about. And so, like, you see it here with Tulsa. You saw it in, man, what year was that? 2017 when the Thunder upset the, uh, oh man, I don't know if it was the Spurs or the Grizzlies. But it's like the same thing. Fans were waiting at the Oklahoma City Airport for them to come in, like, to celebrate the team. Like, people here care a lot about basketball. And so I think, you know, part of it is tied to we've had success as a state, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and now finally Tulsa in 1980. We're finally contributing to that success on, like, the college level for basketball. And it's like, this is a passionate, basketball-hungry state. And to, like, get Tulsa in on it, that was, it's just incredible. And it's, like, just kind of, I think, shows what's to come for the future. Because it's like, you go from, like, Nolan Richardson, five years at TU, five incredible season seasons, ends up at Arkansas. And it's, it's, it's like, bittersweet because it's like, okay, he left our program. But... When you're TU, you kind of know you're not a program that can generally keep these kind of coaches for long term. Like we talked about, TU has 4,000 students undergrad now. I honestly don't even know if it was that big in 1980. And so, you know, we're a private university, so we have maybe a little bit more money from that aspect. But a school like Arkansas comes in, absolutely, they can pay more, way more money to bring on your coach and so like he does that he goes to Arkansas he has incredible years but even with after that like Tubby Smith comes in to Tulsa you know we have him incredible run with Tulsa basketball then he goes to Kentucky wins a title Bill Self who was at went to Oklahoma State then was coaching at ORU we took him because screw ORU we'll take your coaches and we'll do better with them then he goes to Kansas, wins a title. 
I mean, Tulsa, because of Nolan Richardson, is all of a sudden becoming like a coaching, I don't know if school is the right word or clinic, but like these coaches come in and have such great success. And then I know Bill Self went, uh, man, where did he go? Illinois before he was at Kansas. But mm-hmm. like, that's kind of like all of a sudden Tulsa is becoming known for that. And all the years prior, even though, man, I don't know who was right after Nolan Richardson between Richardson and Tommy Smith, but whoever we had, whatever his name was, but like J.D. Barnett. J.D. Barnett, yes. And he went to, I think he went to VCU afterwards and then somewhere else. And like, he had a lot of good success. And so like previously Tulsa coaches got fired or resigned. Then (laughs) this happened and they get posts from better, like to better schools. And like, I don't know about you. I would much rather have my coach leave because he's super successful than get fired. And like, that's just such a shift. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's so true, man. And it's like it's such a turnaround from how it was before. And you're right. Like before that, it was just such a up and down, like kind of middling success story. And you got, you know, now we got Paul Pressey, and you got a song about him, the Rubber Band Man. There's a song called the Rubber Band Man. I don't know if that I was am the Rubber band, band Man. Well, there you like go. Talent, you, are, you are Kyle. Thank you. You should, you should sing it for us one time. Uh, but yeah, it was like, it was just, it was everything about the city was like, this is what's up now. It's also the place to be. We got to do that. We got to keep this going. And like everything worked. Nolan Richardson won, you know, coach of the year that year in the Missouri Valley. Paul Presti was the, like the newcomer of the year. There were two second team, all teamers on that team uh, in Greg Stewart and David Brown. It was like, this is just like, finally we made it. This is like, okay, after so much time, we're here now. And now we've got it. Now we've got a program. We can continue pushing on forward with this, with this team. Presley was also, I think the second TU player to ever get first team uh, Missouri Valley when he won, when he got newcomer of the year that year. And then the next, like the year prior or not prior the year, the next year, he ends up winning NBC player of the year. And so I think that's kind of like, like we've talked about. This was not just like a one-off season for TU. This was the start of a new generation. And so the next year, Tulsa, for the first time in program history, and I think to this day is still the first time ever, is ranked at the beginning of the season. Like we had never been ranked prior to the season starting. And like we're ranked six going into that, into, I think the next year, I think it's six. It's like six was either six. the highest we were ranked or we were ranked 11th, but it's like, we do that. And we're playing a, a game against like North Carolina and like North Carolina has a freshman. You may have heard of named Michael Jordan that we're playing. Yeah, exactly. points. Like we, we went to North Carolina and barely lost. Like we made them sweat to pull that off. And so like, that's the legacy of this 1980-1981 season from Nolan Richardson and all these TU players is they created a new style of basketball for Tulsa that just, like, changed everything. And I think to this day you look at it like Ryan and I, we came to you like we were freshmen in 2013. At the time, Danny Manning, I have mixed feelings about Danny Manning, not really, Love Danny Manning, um, except he left for Wake Forest. Sucks, but understand that. Also, he was at KU. Great, 
grew, grew up Mizzou fan. Yeah. Kind of hate KU. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of weird when I found out, like, when I came to TU and I was like, wait, one of the best coaches in TU's history won the national championship with KU. Like, how am I supposed to feel about this? Um, but, yeah, like, Danny Manning continued that tradition of, like, he was here for two years and then went on to another job. And it's like, honestly, TU's the kind of school that – thrives when our coaches are only here for short stays and super successful. And like, I think looking back at the 1980 to 81 season and kind of putting it into that current lens is I would encourage TU like be more, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but like take a chance on these guys. Like Nolan Richardson was somebody who was looked over like, which is such a mistake by all these schools because he was born in the South and like, it was not, you know, the time period was just, he wasn't going to find an easy path to success or anything like that. It was going to be super, it was going to be an uphill battle for him all the way. And so like similar to that, take a chance on people. Like it worked out for Nolan Richardson. He is obviously like an incredible coach at all levels. I think he is the only, I don't know if he's the only, but he was definitely the first coach to ever win JUCO national championship, NIT and NCAA championship. Like he won all three of those. He was the first coach to ever win 50 games in his first two years. Like there's a reason he's in the college uh, hall of fame, Naismith, like, M- like hall- basketball hall of fame. Like this guy is a legend. Yeah, and it was like, you know, even then, it was a big moment in time, you know, when we won the NIT, and it was a big deal, especially coming off the years before. He totally changed things, like we said earlier at the top of the show. It was like a clear line in the sand for Tulsa's basketball program. But, like, looking forward, even looking back now, we talk to people who listen to our podcast and people we interact with, and it's like, yeah, we knew back then, people who were alive and watched that season in 1980, they knew it was a big deal. But looking back now, nobody nobody really understood like how big of a deal the 1980 year was for TU. It was it was just like it's, it changed everything for our basketball program. And I think that is completely attributable to Nolan Richardson. And man, how badly I wish I was alive in 1980 or or, or even after to watch some of these seasons. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college basketball stories. Is it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CBB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. Yeah, and you talk about, like, Nolan Richardson has a coaching tree that I think the first person you look at is Mike Anderson, who longtime assistant at Arkansas, 17 years under Nolan Richardson, went to Mizzou, then like understandably 
was asked to go to Arkansas and went there. And it's like, who can blame him? Like that was so formative to like his career. And it's, it's like, there's a quote. I don't remember if it was something that Nolan Richardson said himself, or it was something in like the New York times um, or something that I was reading where it was like a lot of times for coaching trees, it's often like white coaches that get that. And it's like black coaches don't have that history. And Nolan Richardson was the first one where people, a lot of people were talking about that. And like, he made a point, like he won that national championship. And like, I don't, I don't want to get into all the stuff that happened with Arkansas later. Um, you know, cause that's not really what we're talking about, but it's like the confidence that he had, but also the like self-awareness that not only was he a successful basketball coach, like he was good because he was a good basketball coach. Like he talks about, you know, he's like, I'm not a, I'm not just a good motivator. I'm not just a good recruiter. Like, those are the things that I think a lot of people talked about. He's like, I'm a good basketball coach. And it's like, it's time for people to realize like, that's the case for a lot of black coaches. And so like, he is a pioneer of, college basketball just from that alone and like the amount of impact that he has that he's had on the game is incredible and I think it's just like an honor and awesome that TU was able to be a part of that journey yeah Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll add a, a quick note real quick like you talk about the momentum he built at TU and I don't know. Maybe I already said this. It's been like a long time now, almost three hours. But like, maybe <laughs> I already said it. Cut it out. But if I have an awesome. Yeah, I, dude, I'm having a blast. So, like, part of the reason, you know, we talked early in the episode. I know for sure about like how was Nolan Richardson Richardson going to build this program like from the dust, right? Because it was totally in the dust. It was with energy and with a different style of play. And you look back at how we did it, and he was like he wore polka dots to one game and people are like, what the hell are you doing? You know? And his, you know, so part of this was like, okay, his daughter, Yvonne, um, she, she has a whole story. Uh, she died. She died early. She had leukemia. Um, but before that she ended up like, he was asking her like, Hey, you know, we won a game. I was wearing polka dots. Should I keep wearing them? And the daughter was like, Hell yeah. I mean, she probably didn't say hell yeah, but she, she said, yeah, of course, <laughs> you know, keep wearing them. I love Hell them. yeah. Cracked another beer. And yeah. But she's like, yeah, you know, do it. I think, it, I think it's amazing. And so he like, he looked to his daughter and like, I might've said this earlier too, but like when he was looking at taking the Arkansas job, he asked his daughter, like, should I take this? And one of the reasons he wanted to stay, he, he first, before he took the Arkansas job, he declined it. And he said, no, you know, my daughter's sick. Um, she's got her doctor and her friends here in Tulsa. I'm going to stay here in Tulsa. And that's what he said. Um, or that's what he's at least on, on an interview saying. Um, and so, like, you know, you go forward and, and he says his daughter was the one saying, hey, you know, go do it. Go. I, I can do I can deal with my sickness here. I'll stay um, I'll stay here in Tulsa with my doctor and my friends. You go take the job. Because one of the reasons she said that apparently was because he wanted an on-campus gym. And he said to his daughter that if I had an on-campus gym, 
I could win an NCAA tournament, apparently. And what do you know? But Arkansas has an on-campus stadium. We don't, right? We were playing downtown at the time. Now we do. But at the time, we didn't. And so what do you know? But he goes. He says, all right, I'll take the job. He goes to Arkansas. He wins an, He wins the national championship. They have a stadium on campus, and he comes back. Um, and so that's how that that's how it sounded like that went, which just blew my mind. And like for years in there, like every other week, he was driving back to Tulsa from Arkansas to come be with his daughter and like stay with her and you know be with her and see how she's doing and things like that. And man, you know, I, I you know some people hate when their coach goes to another school and leads them to leads them to greatness and things like that. But man, who can have any bad thoughts about a guy like Nolan Richardson doing this for his daughter, doing this for his program, bringing, bringing them to a national championship. I thought it was just the coolest thing ever. That's incredible. An on-campus like arena that is like, I don't know if it's the same one, but now it's named after him. We've had an absolute blast. This has been great. You guys are super informative. And like I said before, like I, I go away from almost every one of these feeling like, I learned from people who care and I didn't know I cared until I heard from you guys. And I really appreciate that. Well, I'm glad man, because we came into this episode saying like, what the hell do we do about the 1980 to 81 season? Uh, but you know, like I said, before, I, I don't know if it was before we started recording or not, but like the more we looked into the season, it was like, Oh my God, this was really, it really was. This was the turning point in Tulsa's basketball program. And ever since then, it's been a totally different story. I feel like we didn't even get to talk about like one of the best quotes, but it's like not a Tulsa quote. It was like when he was in Ar- when he was at Arkansas, but it's like Nolan Richardson was known for being a very intense coach at practice. Like he pushed his guys for, um, cause it's like, I don't know. It's the same concept I guess I had when I was like, Oh, make the homework harder than a test. Cause then the test is easy. Make practice a fucking nightmare because <laughs> then the games will seem super easy in comparison. And so it's like, he has a famous quote about talking. He's like, Hey, if you guys see me fighting a bear, like you guys better help the bear. Cause I ain't going to need that help. And it's like, that's his mentality. It's like, he's just a fucking badass. Yeah, dude. It was like, I saw some quotes from him from a practice and it was like always the 40 minutes, right? How the 40 minutes started. We might've already covered this, cut it out if we already covered it. But if we didn't already the 40 minutes of hell, right? It was like medicine balls, it was like jump rope. It was like sprinting constantly for 40. That's how they started every practice, right? The 40 minutes of hell wasn't just a game thing. It was how they started every single practice for his entire time at TU, probably into Arkansas. And so it wasn't just like, yeah, this is how we're going to play games. We're going to play everybody super hard. It was like, yeah, practice is going to goddamn suck. And we're going we're gonna to get to the games later on. But because we do this during practice, that's how it's going to be. And that yeah, and this I, is your mentality awesome. every single day for sure. And like that totally makes a difference when you play a game. Like, oh my God, oh, yeah. I, I thought it was so cool. What's so special about hero bread, soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.